Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, another sad piece of information to share, which is that Catherine Hayes, who played As the World Turns as Kim Hughes, has passed away at the age of 87. Now, for me, Kathy was synonymous with the soap. I mean, if I hear the words kiddo or pal, even to this day, I think of her. Bob and Kim were the it couple of that show, in my opinion, and I was just so sorry to hear the news. Um, You know, she actually lived near to where my parents had a house in Connecticut, and I remember seeing her at the Barnes & Noble years after the show had gone off the air. And despite having worked here for over 20 years by then, I did not go up to her and say anything, because, you know, I sort of feel like when people are out and about, maybe they don't want to be bothered. But we did see some touching tributes online, including from Julianne Moore, who worked closely with Kathy when she played the dual role of Franny and Sabrina, as well as John Wesley Shipp, who played Doug, who was very obsessed with Kim. Uh, Kathy was just such a marvelous actress, and I loved Kim. You know, I started watching As the World Turns around the time that Bob was having his first affair with Susan, played by Marie Masters, and I honestly can remember some of her fantastic performances from that storyline as if I just watched them yesterday. I think uh, we in the daytime community were so lucky to have her as a touchstone and a mainstay for so many decades. And I think that this loss has hit uh, World Turns fans very hard. And I certainly teared up reading what Don Hastings, who played Bob, said about her, which is that in real life, they were like brother and sister and great friends and that their biggest squabble was, and I quote, she always wanted to rehearse and I wanted to take a nap. (laughs) That's so adorable and great. I just love that. Um, Now, Days fans are in for quite a treat next week as the double wedding of Xander and Gwen and Craig and Leo will play out on screen. Now, we have two factors at play here uh, for Gwen and Xander. It's a question of will all her lies catch up to her before she walks down the aisle? And despite the fact that Abigail agreed to stand up for Gwen, Abby is actually determined to upend these nuts. Uh, As for Craig and Leo, we have Chad, Sonny, Brady, and Chloe all working to make sure that they do 
do not become husbands for life. And spoiler alert, Leo will indeed be busted at the altar. Now, I love a double wedding, and I feel this one is going to be full of fireworks, so it's a definite tune-in. Plus, Matthew Ashford and Melissa Reeves will be back as Jack and Jennifer, so there's even more of a reason to watch. And if you need more, we'll see drag performer Jackie Cox again, who you got to speak to for a story in the new issue. Well, to say that I jumped at the chance to talk to Jackie Cox would be an understatement. I am a huge uh, fan of RuPaul's Drag Race and of Jackie's, and I had such a blast chatting with her. She was so excited to be asked to take part in the network show after her cameo on Beyond Salem and excited that Jackie was being used for like more than a wink wink related to her uh, Lisa Rinna impersonation, which was a gag on Beyond Salem. This is the second time I've gotten to interview someone who was a contestant on Drag Race, the first being Manila Luzon, who did a guest gig on GH a few years ago. And I'm always so interested to hear the behind the scenes dish on their experience because unlike other celebs who do cameos on soaps, these performers do their own makeup. So the degree of difficulty of them coming in and handling the pace of working in soaps is even greater because they are also responsible for creating their own look. Jackie said that she was blown away by the performance Greg Rickart gives as Leo over the course of next week's drama and also teased that she is appearing both in drag and out of drag and that there is what she called an iconic twist to look forward to in this story. Oh, there definitely is. Um, now, there will be plenty of drama across the dial over at Young and the Restless. Ashland will finally come clean to Victoria that he never had cancer. Anna and Valentine will reunite on General Hospital. And we're also seeing the fallout continue to play out from Finn's death and Steffi's shooting on Bold and Beautiful, especially now that she's come out of her coma with some compromised memory issues. Now, our guest today is playing an instrumental role in the drama. It's Ashley Jones, who plays Bridget and is back for a long stay in Los Angeles. So let's check in with her and see how it's all going. Hi, Ashley. Hi, you guys. I am so excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. And we're very happy you're back on Bold and Beautiful. Mm. Oh, thank you. I have to say, I'm actually a fan of this podcast. So when I was asked um, to participate, I like fangirled a little bit because I've listened to you guys a lot. I think you're very funny and very informative and you have great guests. And I was like, I was a little flattered. Like, wow, I get to be on the Soap Digest podcast. You know, that's uh, so sweet. part of the crew. I love it. Well, let's start. You were born in Memphis, Tennessee, but your family relocated to Texas when you were quite young. So how would you describe your childhood and what were you like as a little girl? Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, I was born in Tennessee. Uh, I was really young, like five or six when we moved to Houston. And, uh, you know, I was kind of, um, I was, I don't know if you call it a people pleaser or I really wanted to, I was, I tried to do, I tried to be a you know, a good student, a good daughter, and I didn't really cause that many problems in my early youth. Um, that changed a little in my teenage years, but uh, I pretty much started commercials and stuff really young, like right when I got to Houston, auditioned and got it and got a manager and was traveling to do commercials and theater, and it all kind of happened. I was five with my first national commercial, and it never really stopped. But like, how does that happen? Like, how are you five years old and you get cast in a commercial? Like, is it, did you express an interest? Were you just No, um, someone stopped my parents in a mall. My dad would know this story better and he has a great memory. So he would tell you exactly what mall, but, uh, and just said, <laughs> you know, we're casting a commercial. And you know, when you're casting kids, even today, I see it on Instagram, open casting. We're looking for a seven-year-old and then they describe, it's like, 
when you're casting, especially the younger you go, uh, you cast in at wide. And um, so I went in for an audition and there were tons and tons of kids. I think we waited. I do remember waiting. And this was back in the day where your auditions were in like a motel. A little strange. Wouldn't really happen today. Um, but in, in the hot sun, sun, just waiting in the parking lot. And I came out and I was like, mom, I think I got it. She goes, honey, you know, there's a hundred other people here. So, and they called that night and I had to go back for a call back and, and I got it. And then that director, it's, uh, and I see now how it works because I'm now directing and, and I see how it works when directors want, when you start working with someone that, you know, will show up on time, do their work, know their lines and deliver for you, you tend to use them again. And so we kind of went on a what ride with that. Mm -hmm. And then I started theater and uh, got an agent and got on a series really young. And uh, yeah, it just, and then I joined the soap world, very young, um, young and the restless. At the time when you were five and it's just still going, <laughs> like, how did you know that you wanted to be a performer? And, you know, wh how did your interest develop in that? It, it really, you know, they say something like it's in your blood and it's, you know, you, you roll your eyes. Like, really? I mean, and it, it's funny. Today it's like, I, yes, it's in my blood, but I also need to make a living. I'm a single mom. I want to make money and different things like that. But it is, there is some truth to that. It was just, I knew from the minute I stepped on that set, this was what I, I was never going to have a regular job. This is just what I, I mean, at five, I knew that's what I was always going to want to do. And some people get there and they, you know, they kids and my brother tried it a little bit. You don't love it. You don't really want to be without mommy. You don't really, you kind of, you get tired, your feet hurt, you want snacks. You know, I was just like there, ready to go, paid attention to the director, was there until that, you know, and they worked me till they couldn't work me anymore. And I was ready to go back the next day for more. Um, it, I thought the concept of getting to pretend to be somebody else was really fun and it's still fun. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's, it's like the greatest escape to your real life, which makes me sound like I need a lot of therapy, but it's, you know, it, uh, it's still, it's still really, really fun for me. Okay. So your, your first couple of TV credits uh, are pretty big deals. Like you appeared in CBS miniseries Fire Next Time, uh, as well as in the first season of Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. So yeah. we were chatting before we started hitting record, and I found out something fascinating about this uh, miniseries <laughs> did. So uh, how did that come about that you, you know, landed uh, a role in such a high-profile production so early on in your foray into the biz, and then you're going to have to share who you might have locked lips with as part of that program? Um, I, so I was still in Houston at the time, and I was, had a, I was with, uh, joined a theater company and was doing some different things like that. So uh, at this point, it wasn't just commercials anymore. I knew I wanted to, to do big, bigger things. And a manager um, saw me and um, I auditioned for, oh, I wish I could remember the name. It's a, actually a really good movie, Castle Rock Entertainment. Um, I, I sent in a tape. Uh, if I remember later, I'll let you, I can't think of the name. It was a big movie. Um, and they, I was 14 and they said, we're going to screen test you. I didn't even really fully understand what that meant. They flew my mom and me to LA. We stayed in a very fancy hotel in Hollywood. You know, drivers picked me up to go to the screen test and all this. I think I got, um, I got really nervous and I didn't do, uh, the greatest job on the screen test, but I was out here for three days and I was still young enough to where, you know, now it would have bummed me out to leave thinking, Oh, I could have done a better job. 
when you're young, you just don't know better. You just are like, oh, well, we'll get the next one. And I did. <laughs> I was out here for three days. So my manager, uh, I had a bunch of auditions. One was for Dr. Quinn. One was for the miniseries. One was for something else. And I, uh, um, I think it was a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie that was going to be back in Austin. And I booked all of them. And maybe, um, you know, I think you just don't, I was just too stupid enough to think it was in, it was the way I think I thought about it. Like someone's going to get it. Why not me? And, um, what was, I'll never forget the, they sent me this gorgeous thing of flowers. It was almost as tall as I was at the time, but the flowers arrived late. Castle Rock did. They arrived after I did the screen test. So I saw them and I thought that meant I got the job. Aww. So that was a little bit of a bummer when I realized later I did not, um, and I wish I could remember the name because it was a really big movie. But anyway, uh, it, everything happens for a reason. I ended up doing some episodes, quite a few episodes actually, of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And then there were some things that happened and my parents didn't really, um, really. actually, let me go back because I started the, with the miniseries. And the miniseries was fantastic. It, it was back when CBS did those like $40 million productions and they were big, big Sunday night movie of the weeks. And um, I met, uh, I was playing Craig T. Nelson's daughter. Uh, he later became my father-in-law. I had a major crush, puppy love, ended up dating his son, Noah. Very, very, very uh, talented writer, very handsome man. And um, I got to kiss Paul Rudd for the first time on, oh, that was my first on-screen kiss, was Paul Rudd. So I had this little crush going on with Noah, and then another crush going on with Paul Rudd, so I was very busy. My mind was just, for this little girl, I was very, very, very busy. <laughs> um, and Paul was fantastic, uh, very kind, and really kind of took me under his wing in a very, um, like, brotherly way. Um, but, you know, in my little head, I was like, oh, I mean, this is amazing. This is, we're gonna be together someday. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so that was that. And then I did Dr. Quinn and it just was, uh, I think it was very difficult on my parents for me to be in LA so much and they were still raising my siblings and I got a little bit of, um, what do you call it? I guess the word would be too big for my britches. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I said some things to my mom that I shouldn't have said. And my mom reminded me that I was still a child and she was not done raising me yet. And she took me off the show. Wow. Took me off Dr. Quinn. And Beth Sullivan was the exec executive producer at the time, the showrunner, very upset. Called me into, I'm very upset. It was a very big deal, very traumatic for me emotionally. Um, I was mortified. And I had to come home. And they did not want me to do, um, to act until I was old enough to do it on my own. They really wanted me to focus on, they just thought I was getting a little out of hand. And it wasn't, I mean, a little out of hand for my parents was not very much out of hand, but it was, you know, they weren't wrong. And now that I'm a parent, I'm like 100% they did the right thing. But it didn't feel that way at the time. Sure. And um, yeah, but then what did I do the day I graduated from high school? I came back to LA as soon as I possibly could, got an agent and booked two movies a week and then got on Young and the Restless. So they only could keep me away from it for so long. Uh, That's amazing. But they tried. They tried very, very hard. You know? And of course, now they're incredibly supportive and I hope they're watching Bold and Beautiful today. They, they're, they don't really care what I'm, you know, what I'm on, but my son could care less. And my brother and sister, I have to remind them. I'm like, can you guys tune in? Your viewer, it, it matters. Viewers matter. <laughs> But at the time, it was, you know, like, oh, you're leaving home and you're going to Hollywood and you're going to be on a soap opera and kissing men and, you know, it's a lot for your child. Right. 
Sure. But wait, did you ever, I imagine, had a connection um, or an opportunity to talk to Orson Bean through Allie Mills, like, at I some did. point? I yeah. did. Um, I had a pretty strong connection with him, actually. So when I later uh, in life connected with Allie, we really bonded over that. And Orson is a brilliant man, was a brilliant man, and a brilliant comedian. Very, very, very funny. Uh, his humor was a little over my head, if that makes sense. He was, um, he had adult humor, but I just knew he was funny because everyone was always laughing at him. Um, and, but he was the kindest man. You really felt like you were related to him. And I feel the same way about Allie. And you know, Allie, I could show up on her doorstep right now wouldn't even call, knock, and she'd be like, oh my gosh, come in, I just made some tea, do you want lunch? Let's go sit by the canal, so good to see you, and then we would share stories about Orson and her kids and grandkids, and uh, it, it is one of those connections that, yeah, when you, when you, especially when you're working on set long hours and you're young, it's a connection that really never, ever wanes, and I was, it was, I've, I've had the honor of working with some really amazing, I got to work with Richard Farnsworth, uh, Academy Award winner. I think he was a winner. I think he was. Uh, he, I played his granddaughter on fire next time. That was a really, that miniseries um, meant a lot to me and really paved the way, mainly because I'm, I'm married, Noah, um, <laughs> but really paved the way for the, uh, the trajectory of my life. And a lot of projects do that. So mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I was a big Dr. Quinn fan, so of course I had to Aww, ask. <laughs> yeah. And Jane, you know, I've reconnected with Jane now. We we connect, we talk a little bit. I've, I've been to some of her events. We're both on TBSN in um, Australia. It's like the QBC of Australia. And um, I've seen her. She's lovely. And uh, we like, you know, like each other's posts on Instagram and things like that. And Joe Lando was on B&B a few years uh -huh. ago. Yes. I mean, it's, it's really a much smaller world than then you realize until you get older and just it's everything keeps coming full circle. Right. It's pretty neat. All right. So uh, as you mentioned, you first came to the attention of the daytime audience in 1997 when you were cast as Megan Dennison on YNR. Um, so tell us your YNR casting story because I'm particularly interested if you like knew anything about soaps going in and had any concept of what you were getting yourself into. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've said this in many sub digest articles over the last like 20, what? I don't even want to say how many years, um, but <laughs> I, I was at Pepperdine. I did go to Pepperdine, which made my parents feel much better about letting me come back to LA. Um, but I was in school. I didn't stay in. I mean, I did graduate. I stayed in school, but I was uh, I, I was working the whole time I was in school. Um, but I get this audition, and I had to borrow a friend's car. I think I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I borrowed a friend's car. But I, you know, the audition was at Fairfax and Beverly. I'm way down in Malibu on PCH, and the auditions at like they want me there at like 7:15 in the morning, and I'm thinking I have to leave at 6:15. I wake up. It's pitch black. It's pouring rain and I need to tell them I'm going to run the 10 was just bad you know LA well you guys aren't here but you've all been here in LA if it rains it's like the world comes to an end no one knows how to drive in the rain it's not like any other place in the world that people know how to you know um, they just go so slowly and there's crashes it's just it just whatever so I call my manager or agent and they don't pick up because it's six fifteen in the morning and I like I and that was back when I just got a cell phone. You know, the cell phones were huge and you had to keep charging it. And I had a pager and I had to pull over on the side of the road. And I called the number on my little audition call sheet and I got connected to the main desk at CBS. So then I had to ask for Young and the Restless casting. And anyway, I finally get to Marnie and Marnie answers the phone. She was the casting director or one of the 
people there at the time. And she said, don't worry, honey, take your time. Don't get in a rack. It's fine. We're all going to be here. It's okay. She calmed me down. So I get there. There are so many people auditioning for this role. There were people sitting in the hallway. They all look out. They're all these like beautiful girls. I'm like, what am I doing here? But I go in and Bill's there, Brad Bell's father. And he just chats. Why? How are you? Like just chats. And then we do the scene and um, we just kept chatting. And I felt so comfortable and calm and I left and I got the role. So I knew nothing about soaps other than I grew up watching all my children and was in love with Peter Bergman, Cliff. And I got very sweaty, sweaty, sweaty palms. I was like, I'm I, sweating. My whole body got sweaty when I sat in the makeup chair next to Peter on Young and the Restless. And I, I couldn't quite get the words out. And finally had to tell him later. And now it's funny. But um, <laughs> do you guys remember? Do you guys remember Cliff and Nina? Of course. Of course. I mean, yes. I thought they were so cool. I thought she was so gorgeous. I just thought that she was. Just loved it. it was the she best. Was. Yes, and then that's we why. also watched General Hospital, which is hilarious because I grew up watching Jack Wagner on Esfrisco. And Me I too. Frisco and Felicia <laughs> were amazing. And so, yeah. So I, I, but my first real real celebrity reaction was to Peter Bergman. That's amazing. <laughs> well, what do you remember about the early days of YNR and just kind of oh, I have such being part memory. of that company? Yeah. Uh, I was a little intimidated by everyone, especially Heather Tom. I thought Heather was so cool and she seemed really like she was so um, professional and good. And I don't, I don't know if she'd already won Emmys, but like she was about to win a hundred or whatever. So <laughs> I just, you could just feel it. And um, she really, she look, we are super close now. I adore her and would let her keep Hayden for the weekend and all. But at the time, like, she didn't really give me that much attention and made me want more attention from her. Um, but I got really close to my sister on the show, Sabre and Janae. Mm -hmm. And we, we, to this day, we still call each other sister. We, we, were, we were very, very, very close. And she was an enormous support for me. So was Laura Lee Bell and Jennifer Garys. Sharon was lovely. Uh, I mean, so was Heather. They were all amazing. And I just was kind of this, and I was a younger girl. I wasn't like a cool 17, 18 year, old, 18 year old, I was like kind of a dorky younger version of that. Um, and, and they were very, Shamar Moore was so lovely. Uh, Eric Braden, and I just loved, I mean, and then Jess played kind of my stepmom and um, loved hanging out with her. It, the, I mean, I just, it, you know what? The thing about soaps is they become your family, especially when you're young. They really do become your family. And Ed Scott, just I looked up to him in ways that I can never explain. He was such a mentor for me and really pushed me and helped me become a better actor and helped me get nominated for Emmys. And then here we are, full circle later, you know, um, hanging out again. And it's very, very, very cool. And when you know someone that long, like the way Ed knows Jennifer and Jennifer Garys and Heather Tom and me and like literally we were kids, we were kids, you know, Heather was a child <laughs> for all intents and purposes when she started. He can talk to us in ways that like no one else can really understand. And um, so it's a, a, it's a really special, when people say like, oh, do you like being back at B&B? It's not even, it's so hard to explain. It's not like, oh no, it's super fun. It, it's, it's so much more than that. It's like, it's, I get to go be with deeper. My, it's a deeper It's bond incredibly, right yes. Now. This goes back to when I was a teenager. So I grew up with the Bell family. And to still feel like they're inviting me to come play with them is A, an honor. I'll never outgrow that. Most people won't. It's a really, it's so amazing and special. And I learned so many life lessons on these shows. And then, you know, I got to like test for Days of Our Lives and 
get to know that crew for a little bit, didn't get it, but um, I've tested a couple of times for them. Um, and but then I got to play with the crew at GH and the soap world is just a very, very special world. I never did a New York show, but I spent a lot of time in New York because that's where all New York, that's where all the fun parties were. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had friends that were going to school out there at the time. So I would go, if we were on hiatus or something, I would go and spend like a month in New York. And I thought, I, honestly, I really do. I think I felt, I, I've never felt cooler than getting to hang out in New York and go to these parties and go to the Rainbow Room mm-hmm. and have interviews with Soap Digest. <laughs> I, you, it, for like an early girl in her 20s, it was very cool. Also, the, I mean, those Rainbow Room parties oh my were just... So epic. over the top and epic and unbelievable. Epic. Like it was such a different time when you came. It was. So if there was more money, there was more hoopla, you know. It was a it was very, very special. fancy deal. And yeah. they put on a show and, you know, designers would dress us. I mean, all, that all can still happen. It's just that, that it, it's a different feel now. And then on top of it, just COVID. Now we're still coming, crawling out of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. last night was my first premiere uh i went for anyone listening i went to the flight attendant uh season two premiere it was the first premiere i've been to since the pandemic that's been so long we used to do this stuff all the time right and so i hope we get back there but my goodness the protocol to get to that premiere the amount of vaccination proofs and covid tests and you know identification well and then security to get through and all of that because we just have to all stay safe but let's plug it good was it a good premiere uh, season two is well, going to be as great as season one. It is my, um, it is, she's like my, she, this is my best friend. I adore the Coco family and she is so fantastic. You guys, this is, this is what I'll say. I won't give anything away. I, the whole premiere was the first episode. I felt like it was 15 minutes. It went by so fast. All I wanted was more. I, we were, everyone kept looking on there. We don't get the second episode. It's so good. You don't even, if you have to pee, you won't pee. You'll just sit there and watch thing because it's that, it's that kind of show. Um, so yeah, I think everyone will love it. It's a very, fun ride it's a very specific niche because it's a little dark comedy uh you know it's thriller uh and she's just i mean she's one of a kind she's very she's fantastic mm-hmm. all right well this is on a very different note but as i'm going through your like endless list of credits basically there is a title that jumped out at me because it's one of my favorite movies and that is old school so tell us what your experience on this set of old school was uh the cool thing was getting to hang out with Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn and Luke Wilson and Todd Phillips. They were all, it was just a very, um, very, very cool thing. My role got cut down. I have a, I had a bigger role and actually had some scenes with Breck and Meyer, more scenes with Will. Um, and you know, that's what happens when you do a, a film. You, and I, now that I've directed, you get, you know, you have so many minutes of great footage and you have to turn in 32 less minutes. So stuff has to go. But um, it was, so I ended up, my point in saying that is I'm not in the movie that much, but I worked on the set a long time. I was there for like three weeks and then I had to go back and do some reshoots and stuff. And my, the one thing I noticed about Will was um, he's so, he's actually really, at least around me, he was really a, a private person and isn't like this, the thing we think of him, the soap, the Saturday Night Live star. Um, he was actually quite quiet and his, he's very, very funny, very dry. Does it's almost, he's not even trying to be funny, but you can't, he's just so funny. Um, but it's not a show. Like he's a very real, real person. Um, 
and I met, I think his dad was visiting. He was just lovely. And um, I had a lot, so I had a really a lot of fun with that. But it was my, I'd been on some pretty big budget productions, but that was probably my biggest uh, budget feature film. And um, I met Perry Reeves, who played Will Ferrell's wife. Later, she became a very good friend. I just got to learn from a lot of people because I was in some of the bigger scenes with a lot of, you know, Luke was amazing. He just, Luke felt like you had known him your entire life. He was so humble. He did not act like I was any, he was any more special than anyone else on the set. And, and Vince is just, he just, he just breathes and you laugh. I don't know how to explain it. I, and I find that that kind of talent that just oozes out of you, I find very, uh, it's just infectious. You want to be around it. And my girlfriend, Kaylee, we were just talking about, she did, um, oh God, Carby Enthusiasm with Vince. And she, I mean, all these years later, it's like the same, everyone that's worked with him says the same thing. So it was a great experience for me. Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, also tell us just about leaving Y&R and what your feelings were about that. I, uh, that was very, very, very hard for me. They gave me a cake on set, and um, I still have all these pictures, Sabrin and Scott Reeves and Ed Scott and Laura Lee, the, I mean, all, the whole, everybody, all the crew. And what's amazing is some of those crew members went over to Bold and Beautiful, so I still get to hang out with them now. But I, I left, and you know, like a lot of soap people do, when you think you want to leave and go do other things. And my storyline was kind of waning, but I think they would have probably kept me, but it was kind of a mutual decision. Let's, But then it's so lovely. They'll, they'll have come back a little bit, you know, if they had something in the storyline. So I did. And then I just, um, I kept pretty busy doing other things like little, I don't even remember. I'd have to go look at my resume, episodic and movie of the weeks and old school. And I feel like what stuff. show weren't you in? Yeah. hundred. <laughs> um, you know, I have been lucky. I've gotten, I, I, you know, I've never, I've never hit, I'm one of those people that I'm the real definition of a working actor. I've never had to do anything else, but it's not like I ever hit in a way that I was this big star other than I will say, I think this whole world, uh, I will, I feel like that that's been very, um, I feel very, very grateful for the roles I've been able to play. Uh, but yeah, I've been able to work a lot. And, um, and then we got the call for Bold and Beautiful. How did that hit you? You know, like, had you thought of, you know, had it been that many years, since you've done YNR, but obviously B&B, a great opportunity in and of itself. Yeah. And I remember um, there was some talk about it. You know, your agents and your manager, like, say something. And I ran into Adrienne Franz at a party, and she said, oh, if you're, you should 100% come to Bold and Beautiful if you can. And I was like, really? It's only a half hour. You know, in the soap world, we kind of were like, it's a half hour show. I don't, we used to say that all the time. And I was like, now I'm like, what? What? What weirdo would say that? <laughs> That's better. It's like, what? I was like, but it's only half an hour. And I'm on an hour, you know, I was on an hour drama. So I'm, I'm an hour girl, you know? <laughs> and he was like, you need to go home and look up Bold and the Beautiful and see how many people watch it every day and see how many countries we're in. And we're the number one serial. I mean, she gave me the whole like little PR thing. Good for her. And she's like, if you get the opportunity to be on the show, you should be so lucky. I mean, those weren't her words. I adore uh, Adrienne. She wasn't being snobby at all. She no. was saying, what's wrong? Matter of fact. Yeah. Go and look at it. Um, and if, if Adrienne ever listens to this or if a fan tweets something we say, congratulate. Adrienne just had a little baby. A baby. I'm yes. so happy for her. Uh, I, I, her little family is amazing. Um, so <laughs> then when it did come up, um, I was asked to send some stuff that I'd been in to Brad. And I'm like, well, doesn't he want to meet me? They're like, no, he saw you at a party recently. I'm like, I didn't talk to him. I'm like, well, he saw you. So he knows what you look like. And we sent some tape and the offer came in pretty quickly. And he said, well, I, you worked for my father. 
I know that. And we want to keep you in the family and we want to bring you in. This is a very beloved character. And um, by the way, you need to dye your hair blonde. I was like, oh, everything sounds great, but not the blonde part. I was like, no. And my agent's like, Ashley, just go dye your hair blonde. And I had this really dark, I mean, even when I kind of sort of went lighter, it was still like a, almost like your color, Stephanie, not not blonde on any level. Mm-hmm. And so I set up my agents like, well, I'll go with you. We'll do it. So we did it. And my hair turned out orange and I was devastated. And I remember he took me out that night for dinner and I was crying. I'm like, I what? I know I'm going back to a half hour soap. With orange <laughs> I was so like, just like, what am I doing? How did I, this is not where I wanted to be at this time in my life. By the way, I was like 27. Like yeah. I was so to go back and be a baby crying over getting a huge job and my whole life changing. <laughs> So it took a second to figure out how to make my hair a prettier blonde. It took like three years, to be honest. I used to get, I used to get notes and we back when we could all go up to the office and stuff before the pandemic, we would have little boxes and that's where our fan mail would come and our scripts sometimes and maybe PAs would bring it down to our room. But then we would have these little slips and it would be notes from the producers if we needed something. Most people didn't get notes, but I, Heather would get some notes sometimes, but usually it was like, can you clean your room or... <laughs> like that and mine were always hey your roots roots can you go get your roots fixed can we can we look at the tone of your hair and then finally they're like we'll pay for it we just need you to go fix your hair and I I it would always take so long and have to sit still and go somewhere in Beverly Hills and uh again I realized I sound like I'm complaining because I I am um but we finally figured out the right blonde and, and then and then I never I pretty much have kept it I went back to brunette for a small period of time and the first job I got was bones and they wanted me blonde and so I, uh, I'm like okay maybe I'll just stick to blonde but that was my first um that was my first foray back to the soap world. And I will never forget my first day. I was working with Kelly and she hugged me and said, I'm so excited to have my daughter back. And I had to cry, of course, it's a soap. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you had time to cry on a half hour show, <laughs> but you do. Uh, I would cry more than I've ever cried in my whole life. Bridget, poor Bridget. I mean, good grief. She had such a fun journey. She had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, but I, Kelly has this amazing ability, and I bet anyone that you've talked to that's worked with Kelly, I'm talking about Catherine Kelly Lang, who plays Brooke, um, you work with her, and if you really are focused and present in the moment, you will cry, because she's just that good. Um, there's a couple people I've worked with that are just really, uh, Susan Flannery is that, I mean, there's a lot of people that are that good, but um, to this day, if I do a scene with Kelly and I'm supposed to cry, I don't even have to work, it's just, I cry. And we also are very close and have a very close connection, and, um, but, uh, I felt like, oh, okay, I think I can do this. I think I can play this character. And it took a second for me to get my footing. And I really think what I was doing wrong is I was trying to do what the fans wanted Jennifer. They wanted Jennifer Finnegan back. Who wouldn't? Jennifer Finnegan. She won these Emmys. She had these fantastic storylines. She's one of the greatest people we will ever meet. And I was trying to make it my own, but I think subconsciously I was trying to do what I thought that she would do if she came back. So I had to give all that up and just find my own version of her and um and then that that's what really ended up sticking well you told us about your tv mom tell us about your tv dad played by john mccook oh my gosh i literally call him dad um john 
and again, if you have like a little bold and the beautiful repertoire and you go and look at these podcasts, everyone that's ever talked about John will say, oh, he took me under his wing. He invited me into his dressing room. He sat me down and had a talk. And his dressing room is like an open door policy. And it's the coolest room we have, in my opinion. Leather chairs, all this fun old Hollywood memorabilia of all the things he's been in lights and it's just a very cool room and it's right off the set so it's easy access and i mean he invites a bunch of people in whenever they want to come and run lines or whatever and um so i got that invitation and he sat down and said i'm your dad i'm here here's my number let me know what you need let me know how you feel if anyone bothers you you come to me i mean it was just like (laughs) and that's how he's always that's he's always set that tone and um, it's not, I thought it was me. I was, I felt so special. And then everyone else that came on, they're like, oh my gosh, John McCook's amazing. He invited me into his, I sat on that leather sofa. I'm like, oh, he's just that nice. Um, and I, now I'm like really, really friendly with Molly and his, uh, you know, his daughter and his son and Lorette and uh, part of the family. And yeah, so I, every time I get to have scenes with him, they're always really fun. And um I I cannot, I was sworn to secrecy that I would not do, I could tease but could not reveal, but I'm hoping, I have a lot of hope that I get to have scenes with him soon, so. Okay, fingers crossed, yes. So do we. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, well, during your first run of the show, Bridget married Nick, not once, not twice, but three times. Those are the ones um, that worked. Yes, yes. <laughs> we went down the aisle, I think, five. You're right, right. Okay, so... I was gonna ask, like, tell us about working with Jack Wagner, but now we have to put a very special Ashley Jones spin on the question, which is tell us about working with Jack Wagner having been a Frisco fan. Oh, yes. I was old enough to have watched Melrose plays and things like that, so I, I was aware. But you know, Jack is specific. So when you meet him, he's very like, it was a little like, I was a little intimidated, but that didn't last that long. And then it was very easy. He's a very easy actor to work, I mean, for me, uh, it was easy to work with him. We had a real, uh, a real, a real honest connection, and uh, there were just some really great storylines the writers wrote for us. Like it was this, this you know, the triangle they did with with Brooke and Nick was pretty epic, and uh, really fun. And we got to you know tra- all travel together and do. It was just a really special time. Again, we were talking about that Stephanie when soaps had more money and it was a little bit more. I think we're coming. Maybe Bold and Beautiful is kind of coming back or hoping to have ideas for certain things. But it um, was a really special time to be a part of the show. Uh, well, Bridget also had a fling with Owen, played by Brandon Beamer, who's now back on Days of Sean. So, what was it like to work with him? Uh, Brandon is uh, like. If I saw him today, we would sit down and could talk for five hours. We're like brother and sister. I love that guy. He's one of the most beautiful people to stare at. Really, really just a gorgeous specimen of a human being. And um, uh, his eyes are gorgeous. And he was a very, uh, he was a great actor. And he always was willing to work. He would work on the scenes as much and long as I was willing to to do it. And we had a really good go at it and really... um, you know, I loved working with him. And we, I mean, honestly, one of my craziest, outside of True Blood, one of my craziest bedroom scenes is with Brandon. <laughs> and the, you know, what's so funny is with us, it was like, I can't explain it. It was like, oh, I'm doing the scene with Brandon. And so Brandon's like, well, can you do, you know, put your leg here or do that? It was just all just like, I don't know, we didn't even think about it. I'm like, oh, it looks better if I just don't, if I pull it, whatever. And, and then when I saw it on screen, I'm like, oh my, oh my <laughs> gosh. I, we look like we're, we look like we're naked. I, you know oh my gosh but at the time it wasn't one it was very um 
I don't know how to explain it. It just was like, it's, it, it's what we, Brandon and I knew how to do together. It was a very, but it wasn't like a sexual thing. I don't know how to explain it. Um, well, I mean, I do because every other actor in the world would say the same thing, but it's one of those things where it really did feel like a certain thing. And then when you saw it, you're like, oh my, did I, was I wearing any clothes? It, yes, by the way, for the record, I was wearing clothes. But <laughs> the way they filmed it was very, um, so we had, you know, Bridget and Owen had a, a fun, a fun fling and then a baby came out of it. So... Yeah, a lot of fans are asking if we're going to see this baby. So uh, um, the funny thing about fans and Twitter and all this access we have, which is so great, but they can ask us questions as if we know the answers. Like, <laughs> oh, well, you know what? That's a great idea. Let me go put that in the script for next week. It's like <laughs> I have a job and my, you know, and I think I have to remind them sometimes. I love that idea. I would love to to have scenes with my now probably teenage son. But uh, I was I just going to say. Not a bit, and it would not be a baby in real time. So in soap time, you know, He's probably, probably 17, 18. I mean, he could even be 21, you know. Oh, really? uh, he would be whatever would be appropriate for the show and would create a good storyline. He would be that age. And exactly. uh, I, pro- I actually really feel confident that at some point they'll do that. I have in you, but it's, it's, it, it's so up to the puzzle. I've, I've said this several times on, you know, quoted, being quoted, saying it's like a puzzle and it's not up to, um, I have a job that I'm supposed to do while I'm there and I should do my job the best that I can and collaborate about my character to an extent, but I have to let the head writer and the creator and the, let them all do their job. And I never know what they're going to do and when they're going to think. And whenever it comes up, it'll be the right time, but it could be never. It could be 10 years. It could be this summer. Mm-hmm. So, all right, you mentioned uh, some steamy bedroom scenes that you did on True Blood. And I think that you actually started shooting or did your entire arc of True Blood while you were also on The Be- on the Bold and the Beautiful? Is that where you... Yeah, I did. So, uh, I, my goodness. That was, a, that was a huge thing to get permission to do. And uh, a lot of stuff when people are, you know, I would have never known this if I wasn't in the business, but different studios and uh, networks are owned by different corporations and Viacom is not owned, but you know, anyway, it was, um, it was a, it was a little pickle to kind of work out that to make it all work, but we did. So it was basically like being a series regular on two different things at the same time on different networks owned by different parent companies. And um, so, yeah, I was literally doing uh, Bold and the Beautiful during the day and I would, there was more than a handful of times that I would leave set as soon as I could. And they were kind enough to like move the scenes up so I could leave immediately. And I would drive over to the lot or universal or back Malibu ranch or wherever we were shooting. And, um, and they would like, Oh, your makeup looks pretty good. We're just going to touch you up. (laughs) And they would just fix my hair, maybe add a little bronzer. And I would go right on set and work till like four in the morning and then be back at B and B the next morning for my scenes there. And, I got strep throat four times oh. during my, that's for my, when I get sick, it goes to my throat. So, uh, but I, it's, you know, I was single at the time and didn't have children and it was kind of looking back. I would, I mean, I don't know if I would do it all over again. Now I have a five-year-old, but it was, um, such an exciting, fun time. And I had this crazy storyline with Brandon Beamer, who was the perfect person to be doing that with because he was so patient and helpful. And it was like, I, I literally remember coming into work and I'm like, don't they know I was up all night? How do I, how are we doing 80 pages today? Like, don't, do they, is no one helping me try to get through? And no, no one's helping them. I should be so lucky. So we got through it and it was a really good run. It was really fun to be, to do, uh, True Blood. No, it wasn't always that. I'm giving you the five worst case 
you know, day, scenarios of the, the days, but in many days it was, I would only go to Bloom Beautiful and I wouldn't work on True Blood for that week. And it worked out very, very seamlessly. But there were times where I was, I mean, I was sweating in the car, feeling like I was going to throw up because we went over on Bold and Beautiful and my priority was Bold and Beautiful. CBS did own me or Viacom. And then we go to, you know, I had second position of HBO and then they would be waiting, not pleased because I'm running late. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things, it's a lot of it's control and putting, like, by the time I would get there and get ready, I would wait on them for five hours. So it all ended up working out fine. And um, I don't think any of the performances ever, actually, actually, they probably, when an actor gets out of their head, it's almost sometimes better. I didn't have time to overthink. So it was just kind of being in the moment. Right. Well, your character, Daphne, met a very gruesome end. So what do you remember about filming her demise? Oh, it was, it, that's the perfect word. It was gruesome. And it was also so, um, we didn't always know every single scene, uh, the episode. They didn't really want us to know because they wanted us to play, you know. Um, and sometimes the episodes would overlap and then you would get them. But I, when I found out, I was really like sad because I had so much fun there. But I, I had an idea that it was, that was going to be the arc of the character. Um, but then filming that, it was just kind of creepy. It was really, um, it was dark in the middle of the night and, you know, we had to do this pretend knife and me and all this stuff. And then, um, then I kept working on the show. They kept having me in a freezer with my heart out and I had to sit there. So I would be on the show dead. And I've been wanting to post this every Halloween and every Halloween I post, I like pull it up. I'm like, that is, it's too gross for my, now that I have like a mom audience with kids that look at my Instagram, it's literally, it's a little horrific. They pulled my heart out and they had to do this whole, I had to go to this someplace in the depth, deep valley and get, um, a cast put over my entire body. So then they make your whole body this silicone thing and then they lay it over and they smooth it out and glue it to your body. So it's literally like, it looks just like your body. It's weird. Like your breasts and everything. Then you get dressed, then they cut it open and pull it open and do all, all the makeup artist does everything. And they make it look like it's fresh skin. that's just been open. And it looks like, honestly, it looks like sloppy Joe's because they like, and that's what they basically did to my heart. They, they made ground meat out of my heart and oh ate my it. God. Yeah, no, it's gross. Yeah. I didn't come up with that. That was, that was not my, that was not, yeah, that was somebody else's thought. But so, um, so by the time, you know, you digest it and you film it and then you're still there and it's like, okay, well, we're, this character's definitely dead. She's not coming back. And you, uh, and that is kind of the hard thing about being an actor on the, like doing a movie or doing these arcs on shows that you get close to these people and then you're done. And then you move on and then 20 years later you get to work with them again because it's such a small world and it all comes full circle and it's um it's fun well uh you left bnb in 2010 but you started making these like fairly regular returns uh after not you know that long away from the show did that did that surprise you that the show had something of an open door and kind of you know kept inviting you back and finding opportunities to work bridget into uh trips to la and so forth um, it didn't surprise me because we, we really left on like a kind of an open-ended note. Uh, it was never, it was, I don't think, I think that they had kind of, I think that they were moving on in storyline, but also I was working so much right after True Blood. I did something, I can't remember, but I was constantly working and I think that was a little annoying for them. Um, but it wasn't like they wanted to get rid of me, but it was also just like, they weren't going to really write. I mean, it was one of those things. So, um, I... No, it didn't surprise me to keep coming back. But then it was like, okay, you're only going to bring Bridget back for Christmas 
or weddings or funerals. And then it almost became, if you, if the fans knew Bridget was coming back, they started saying, oh, someone's dead or married. And then they tried to figure out storyline. And, and so it was, you know, um, but it was lovely. They, they did invite me back, um, often. I think, I don't think there's been one year that I haven't, I could be mistaken, but I don't think there's even been, I mean, I might've only done two or three shows that year, but, um, but then I would come back and do little things here and there. And then we had like this fun little project going on during the pandemic, kind of a behind the scenes thing that I don't know what we're going to ever do with that, but, uh, I would come back for that. And then they were lovely. They brought me back in 2015 and I think they fully, I really do go looking back. I think there was a slight storyline that was developing there. And I just had to announce that I was pregnant. And not by any means did they not continue the storyline because I was pregnant. But I think it was just like, oh, uh, let's see what we can do here. I was not under contract. Nothing had been written. I might be flattering myself to think that they were even going to do more. But I was, so I did a little bit before Christmas. When I came back after the Christmas break, I was bigger because that's what happens when you're five and a half months pregnant and then you get to six months and you pop. Um, and I was trying to really not let people know. I mean, I had to tell the writers, but I didn't want, I wasn't really announcing, announcing, but it was pretty obvious. I mean, <laughs> I remember seeing John McCook and he was like, oh my gosh, what happened to you? Are you pregnant? I'm like, John. <laughs> how did you know he's like how did I know look at you I'm like, <laughs> um, but uh and then right about that exact time GH called and didn't seem to care mm -hmm. they wow. I was pregnant, and I was working on GH till um I was almost eight months pregnant and then I went back three weeks to the day after Hayden was born which oh was my nice. gosh I that is I really don't know why I agreed to do that. But um, no, they were like, oh, you're pregnant. That's fantastic. That's totally fine. So how quickly can you get back after you get birth? It was like, the, it just didn't phase Frank at all. He didn't care, which thank God, God bless him. He was, you know, uh, lovely about it. And not that Bold and Beautiful wasn't. It was just like, they weren't necessarily putting me in the scripts and GH did. So I went to GH and did that little thing. And that was very interesting, very different. And a really great experience. Mm -hmm. Well, on that show, you played Parker Forsythe, a professor who got romantically involved with one of her students, Lexi Ainsworth's Christina. So um, this couple developed a really passionate fan base pretty quickly. Um, what did you think about that? And were you surprised by that? I was extremely surprised by that because they brought me on for like four episodes. And then they just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And, um, and I wasn't really active on Twitter at the time. And I honestly, I was like really pregnant and I wasn't even that active on social media at all. So I remember Lexi was like, have you been on Twitter? I was like, no, why? She goes, just go on Twitter. <laughs> and um, she said that, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm putting words in her mouth. Maybe it was there. They hired a social media, someone, it was one of their marketing people. And I've never, I'd never, ever, ever, ever seen so much interaction from any character I've ever played. And to this day, if we went on Twitter today, we could look. I have not been on Twitter today, but it happens every day, so I don't know why it wouldn't happen today. There are fans that ask, hey, Ashley, have you heard from General Hospital? And um, that is amazing. And it taught me two things. One, General Hospital has insane fans. They really have an insane fan base. And two, General Hospital tapped into something that really meant a lot to people. I don't think, it, I think it went way beyond me. And I adore Lexi, and I think Lexi is a fantastic actress, but I think it went way beyond Lexi. I think they tapped into something, and it really resonated with people for many different reasons. Um, 
And to this day, it still resonates with people. But I don't think, I don't think they're writing for Par- Parker. I say that often. I'm like, oh, no, I haven't heard from GH. <laughs> don't think I'm going to. I wouldn't be. I, would, I wouldn't. I mean, we, uh, it could. Parker was a teacher. She went head to head with Nancy Legrand. I think it'd be a great time. to. Ha- I mean, at any point in time, they could bring her back for something, you know, who knows. But, um, but I don't see them doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's disappointing. Um, so after General Hospital, uh, you did a two-episode arc on one of Stephanie's favorite shows, Major Crimes. What was your experience on that show like? I got cut out of that show a little bit too, but uh, I love. I really wanted to be on that show because it was one of my favorite shows. And they'd been trying to get me on, and it didn't work, and whatever. And I love the cast. I love all the people, the, the showrunner and everything. But um, and I'm still friendly with some of the actors. It's just a great group of people. But it was like the last two episodes ever or something. And they said, okay, let, let's bring you in. And the crazy, crazy, crazy thing is I get there and Lexi's on the episode. I'm sure you guys figured that out. We're not in the same storyline. But uh, like how, what kind of coincidence, you know? Um, so that was really fun. And it was a really cool little character I got to play. And it's already aired, so I can say she died, which was a bummer. But the show was ending. So, um, yeah, that was mm-hmm. – it's you know, all these little things that I've been able to do are uh, and getting to meet new people and seeing how directors work and their vision. Uh, and I was going through a lot, a lot in my personal life at that time. And so it was really such a um, – it was like a little haven to get to go – to be it was like a good month's worth of work even though I was not in that much of it that's just how tv works sometimes um and so it was a that was a special time for me mm-hmm. well as I mentioned earlier you know what show haven't you been on yeah. I mean you did have <laughs> yes, there's been many I can give you a long list if anyone wants to <laughs> if any showrunners out there want to hear I'm constantly constantly whatever I'll, we'll talk about it later but there's different uh there are plenty of shows out there that uh are on my list and and we'll we'll, we'll get to them hopefully well, do you have a favorite primetime show that you were able to be a guest on? That's a good question. Um, I mean, True Blood was one of them. That was more of a, a pretty long arc. But a guest, uh, you know, it's funny. I wish I could say it right now. It's a show. It's a medical drama on Fox that probably gives it away. But uh, I'm really, really, it's a fantastic guest star. Really well written. And I'm doing that right now. And I'm working with some uh, people that I grew up watching when I was little, like on shows, and I'm a little bit of a fangirl. They haven't told them that because I have to do all these scenes with them, and so <laughs> have to be cool. But I no, I was a little bit freaking out. It's a great cast, and I'm obsessed with this director. It's a real. It's what I'm currently doing in Atlanta, and it's really so. That's kind of cool when you do get to be on a show that you've been watching. Um, the show uh, that I, I keep watched that hold- show, and I'm okay. super psyched then because I know exactly great, what show you mean. <laughs> it's a great guest star. It's okay. a really, really great guest star. I'm so <laughs> excited. Um, but just the way that luck would have it, um, I've been on hold almost the choice not the choice got the role conflicted uh i went back to bold and beautiful couldn't do it i mean so many times for Grey's anatomy i can't tell you and because i am a most people that have ever been alive have watched some of Grey's anatomy because it's now been on for all of eternity and will hopefully never leave because we love that family that you know we love it so much but um i was gonna maybe do that the same time i was doing this but you can't do everything and 
so we'll see if, if something happens and it turns back around. But so that would be a show I would, would um, you know, but there's other, you know, all these little limited series that are out right now, you know, they're already done and they come, they drop the whole thing. But I will say this again, it's like frustrating because I can't say, and I think I signed an NDA until they tell me I can, but there is something on Apple TV coming this summer. And I loved this guest star. Very, very, uh, very cool role. And I, I guess I can't always say that, but it's, uh, it's exciting. I'll tell you guys when we get off the recording. It's very cool. <laughs> no, you won't. You signed an NDA. We should know that. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Never mind. I'm not saying anything. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it came as welcome news, as we mentioned, to BNP fans that Bridget is indeed back in action and that her current stay in LA is more than just a quick visit. So were you excited that uh, that, that was the case? And how did you find out that Bridget was, gonna, was wanted to be back in the mix? I'll be honest, I almost didn't believe it. So I was like, oh, it's probably again, you know, I'm like, I will always come back. I love it. If I'm in town, I'll do it. Um, but I expect, I really did expect it to be like one or two episodes. Then when the scripts just kept coming in and kept coming in and um, I was like, I honestly, I didn't ask how many episodes I didn't. I didn't say I would just I, all I kept saying was I'll clear my schedule and then of course I was like oh Grace called ah! <laughs> okay I will still clear my schedule uh, that was a little because this is the the third time this year that we've tried to do Grace um, but uh, but it really meant so much to me I don't even know if Brad knows that it meant so much to me that they were trying to to fit me in that I will always honor that I thought it was very cool of them to do and uh, I think it's very fun. It's such a cool dynamic to have the doctor there that is basically related to every single person in the room. And so there's just, if you want to go deep, you can, because there's so many relationships. Um, and, you know, it is hard for the director. And again, we're going to bring this back. It's a half hour show. So you can't do, you know, of course, what I love to like have all these deep reactions, like when Bridget, now that it's aired, I can talk about it. When Bridget first saw that it was Steffi that was shot. I mean, you could have Bridget, the, the girl, Bridget, that grew up with Steffi as her little sister, that reaction, but you have to, you don't have enough time to do all this stuff and you just have to go into like, she has to go into professional doctor mode. She's been shot. Let's go, you know, alert the OR, blah, 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 blah. Um, but in my mind, I had, you know, there's, and then Ridge comes in and the history between Bridget, Bridget and Ridge and of course her mother and then. We know about Deacon and all, I mean, Hope, every single person that walks in, Liam, we all have this enormous amount of history. So it's so much fun to play and so much fun for me. And I didn't know how much fun it would be for the audience, but it seems like they're picking up on it and they're enjoying it. And, um, and we'll see how much the fans respond to Bridget being back and how much the writers. And I have no idea, but I uh, get very excited every time I get a script. It's literally like going home to like a family reunion for me. Mm -hmm. Well, how did the doctor lingo come back to you easily or no? Um, well, no, I, um, <laughs> we had this really great, the writers wrote, uh, I should make sure one of the writers knows this. So I hope he doesn't think I couldn't do it and we cut it. But again, it was a monologue that was kind of long and the show was long. So we had to like chop up a little bit and they chopped up some of the dialogue that they didn't feel was necessary, but I was like, no, 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 not the, I memorized that paragraph. I know all, I know how to say that all, and it was like all very, very, very medically jargon-ish stuff, and I was so proud of myself that I worked on it so hard, I, because I just was like, it was one of my first days back, I wanted Ed and Brad to know I could do it like I used to, and so I voice texted myself and listened to it in the car, you know, like, 
voice memo or whatever you call it and uh really was very focused As a matter of fact i had my headset in and be in fives and i would walk around and say it out loud and people were like what are you doing are you on the phone i'm like no it's my medical jargon it's coming up next <laughs> and then they cut it and i it was jennifer howard was directing and she's like ah she don't have to say all that i'm like no 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 no, no. i i can say i know it, it all <laughs> i can say it better how do you want me to say it she's like i don't want you to say it we don't have time for you to say it i was like oh okay but um it didn't come back that easily it's again, a testament to like shows like Grey's Anatomy. It's a, you, it's a muscle you have to learn, but it's every time you get there, it's, it's stuff we don't usually say in our daily life. So it's different. That's pretty funny. Well, Ash, uh, Ashley, as remarkable as this is, this year actually does mark the 25th anniversary of your entree into daytime television, which means- Is it really? It really is. Oh it really my is. gosh, wow. I know That's it's crazy. wild. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Wow! Thank it's, you for telling me. It's, an, it's a pretty amazing milestone. Obviously, it, it, you know, a through line of your career, but also just a, a part of this career that you've carved out for yourself in so many different genres. But before we let you go, can you try to sum up what uh, what being part of the daytime world has meant to you over the course of your career? I really, what I would have to say is a testament to Bill Bell. And he took a chance on me when I did not know much about anything, about life, about, you know, um, and he helped me pay for college in my first car. And I'm going to cry talking about it because he really gave me, um, he made sure I graduated from college and didn't, would rearrange schedules during my finals and um, really taught me a lot about about being a uh, growing up and being an adult and his whole family has uh been really great about that that concept and that theme and they're just a really great family and he's in my mind the father of daytime in many ways and if not the biggest way or one of the biggest ways and um and then his legacy is bold and the beautiful and and the fact that i one of the few people and there's a handful um but that have been able to have memorable characters on both shows is um i don't take that for granted and so my my you know i grew up watching soaps and then to get to do it when you're older and then on top of just getting to like visit and get sweaty palms when you're meeting peter bergman and things like that like i was able to create a career and make a life and um and meet people that will be with me for the rest of my life. It's a real family. And, you know, I have fa my family from Bold and the Beautiful was when I got divorced and had to find a new home. They, I mean, all my friends are amazing. I have an amazing support system, but I, my Bold and Beautiful family was literally here nailing shelves to the wall for my son and putting a bed together. And it's, and I wasn't on the show. I like, I, w I hadn't been on the show for months. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, they just saw me that day. It's, uh, it's just something that goes very, very deep, as we were talking about earlier, and it's a very special niche inside Hollywood. And it's, uh, I know a lot of people get to experience it, but it's meant the world to me. And I will, look, I, I hope that the soap genre is on for 50 more years and that, it, you know, it's going to evolve and everything changes, but it's, uh, it's a very special thing. It's meant a lot to a lot of people and to meet the people that watch it and the fans and to hear things like you helped, we watched you every day when we were in the hospital or when I gave birth and I was home, like I looked forward to getting to see, you know, that half hour I carved out of my day or that hour, I was the CBS lineup people. And it's mm -hmm. all very um, emotional and very cool. And I am so honored that 
that everyone's wanted to watch our shows for so long and read Soap Digest and be a part of this journey. And we've been able to entertain people and touch people. So thank you for reminding me that it's been 25 years. It makes me kind of feel really special, to be honest. You should. It's an amazing milestone. And you're still doing it. And that says and everything, I think. You know? Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. I, I never take it for granted. I'm grateful every time I get a script in any, in any genre, and especially in our, in, our, in our little niche that we have here with the soap world. Well, that's awesome, Ashley. We thank you so much for your time today. We're so happy you're back, as I mentioned. And we will look forward to seeing your other projects as they become known. <laughs> um, you guys, I'm so grateful for y'all. Thank you so much. And I'm always here if you have any other questions. And tell the, just my last thing is just to the fans, if you got this far, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We love you. There are no fans in the world like soap fans. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Ashley Jones for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.